We've been really good at doing these intros, but in full disclosure, this is like our 12th take. I had the giggles. Yeah. Are we just like, Rick, I don't know what's going on today. We're, we're in a good okay. mood. GVO today. Big vibes. What? But you know why, Georgie? <laughs> why we have good vibes, Rick? Because we're the pals, first off. The pals podcast. We are. We are the pals and podcast. I'm your co-host, Ricky Liorti. Yeah, and I'm uh, your pal, George. But no, in all seriousness, we're in a great mood because we probably had one of our most inspirational guests on the podcast, Jose Peranian. Uh, he was born with a speech impediment and he overcame his fear to not only do public speaking, speak at a TED Talk, but also be a stand-up comedian. And we had some jokes on the podcast, uh, again, shared his story and how he overcame so much adversity. Uh, so again, if you feel that you need some inspiration, this is definitely 100% that episode you need to listen to. Yeah, I honestly... The, just some of the funny, funny remarks, funny comments, but also the fact that he not only like you know got over a fear and, and faces fear and, and and obviously uh, um, something that debilitated him as a kid and growing up that he lived in fear, he overcame it and pushed that envelope further and really shot for the for the stars, which is really inspirational. So fantastic episode, um, give it a listen. Quick shout out to our sponsor, Universal Nutrition. Um, you know, I, I, how many times do I tell you guys? You see my muscles. I mean, I'm, I've been working out. I've been running. I mean, I'm clear that this ain't just this ain't just me doing nothing. Universal's been helping me along the way. So shout out to Universal Nutrition. Uh, I've been taking the chocolate egg pro and their strawberry ice cream uh, whey protein, the creatine, and and you know animal cuts because I got a couple pounds I can shed. So, anyways, fantastic products. Give them a follow, my pal, LFG. Let's go. Back again. You know what's crazy? Again. We say it every time, but like we actually don't take breaks. We I just keep really going. Anywhere. These are one day after another. Yeah. We're like, we're back, but we've always kind of been. <laughs> well, we've got a new pal with us, Jose Peranian. Welcome to the Pals Podcast. Thank you for having me, guys. And I should just say, for the benefit of your listeners, I have a stutter. Your internet connection is fine everyone <laughs> <laughs> i did that's not good expect that's really good <laughs> setting that one up eh? i like it honestly i gotta give you credit you're you, you give us a little prep you're like i'm gonna crack the ice a bit i did not expect that that was really really funny he's yeah. practiced that yeah, one yeah yeah you've had used that one a few times eh? i'd say that's a honestly really good one. but it is a pleasure to have you um you know we've heard we've heard a lot about you obviously and yep. ricky kind of made the connection but uh You've obviously come over, over. Wow, wow, geez, there I get, I got tongue tied there. You've overcome some adversity and uh, have kind of uh, got yourself up to the stage of uh, world speaking or being a public speaker. So, honestly, kudos to you for for kind of getting through that. It's pretty pretty fantastic. Thank you. It's been a very unexpected trajectory. Yeah, can can imagine, can imagine. Well, I mean, let's kind of jump. Uh, if you don't mind, we'll jump back from the beginning. I mean, you know, as you said to the listeners, like you have a, a speech impediment and, and you kind of overcome that. I mean, th is it something that you were just born with and kind of had growing up? And, you know, how did you kind of deal with that when you were growing up? Uh, I've always had it. I And about... About... Uh, about... 
10 years ago, I learned a, a breathing technique that helped me to con control it. But even after I learned this technique, it still took me many years to feel comfortable enough to own my uniqueness and to exp express myself without being paralyzed by the fear of judgment. Okay. This was a, a key fear that held me back from speaking in in most social situ situations. So it was really in the past three or so years that a massive t transformation to took place. Where did you learn this breathing technique? Because we've talked about the, what's it called, the Wim Hof breathing Wim Hof. technique. Yeah, yeah. That's I guess, I guess that's you're familiar with it. <laughs> for so I'm familiar with it for unrelated reasons. Okay, I did this discover that about that about uh, about a year and a half ago, and I went to a I went to this studio here called mindset i would go i'd go literally once a day and i would do wim hof breathing exercises w with a guy called steve and, and sometimes marie and both of them trained with wim hof himself oh no way yeah, he's like the goat apparently right you're talking about mindset gym in yorkville it, yeah exactly i know it yeah but uh, back in my boxing days, was it boxing gym? <laughs> no, it's where they did the they did the weigh-ins for it when uh, the heavyweight the heavyweight weigh. I, I fought. They brought in the big scale. Just so you, know, I fought. I was uh, making a little joke there, but I, <laughs> whatever. I was rude. Um, I did. Uh, I fought in a charity boxing match last year, and the reason I know it is um, when we had the weigh-ins a week before the fight, it was hosted at Mindset Gym, so or Mindset the space, the studio. So cool. Got to kind of go through a really really nice space. Oh yeah, Sean had done. Sean had done. Uh, uh, an amazing job with the whole space. It did sh shut down recently due to the pandemic, and they switched their sessions online. Okay, but it's a very, it's not the s same breathing technique. The one that I had learned for stuttering was at, at a speech th therapy course in the UK. And then I learned it there, and that's how I, that's how I basically started to take a deep breath every few words to gain control while also sounding like the Darth Vader. <laughs> Use that one too, eh? Use that one before. <laughs> Honestly, no, sure, it, eh? it is good. To, like I mean. You know, being able to play off it now and all that stuff's got to help as well. Because, like, now that you obviously kind of overcome this stuff, it's got to be able to, like, when you break the ice, it makes me feel a little more comfortable and, you know, kind of joke about it and stuff like that. In fact, it's, it is th through having used comedy in the past few years, because I also do stand-up yep. in addition to the public speaking. And I would say stand-up, was a key 
part of my journey. It allowed me to, to take something that made me feel insecure my whole life and turn it into something that I can joke about in a way that enables me to own it while also telling the people that I'm with, hey, it's okay. If I can joke about it, then it's it's something that we can both take lightheartedly. That's, that's, that's really cool. I, find, I guess that's disarming, right? Because back to the point you said about, you know, it, it was kind of, uh, I don't know what the, what the word you use, but, you know, kind of a fear to get over like mm-hmm. 10 years ago. I mean, you know, it's got to be scary to be able to speak and a, and a debilitating fear to be able to, never mind public speak, but to speak to people. Being able to make it lighthearted, I guess, kind of disarms people too because, you know, if you catch, like, you know, you walk in here and you talk to us, I mean, at first it's not what you, what you expect and then you joke about it a little bit and there's times too when you got to get going, like, you can tell that, I guess, with the breathing technique, there's some parts that it kind of still trip you up a little but other ones that you kind of like fly through and do you find that, well, I kind of lost my train of thought there. I, probably, I really just talked myself and did that whole circle thing. Back to the point <laughs> about doing the comedy, it kind of makes you, I guess, feel comfortable if you found that that... That kind of helps out as well. Yeah, yeah, because I think it was such a, a t- taboo subject for me my whole life that I had just chosen to avoid speaking and people almost entirely. When I was in in college, I would basically go see my professors especially in my second and third year at McGill, I would go see my profs and ask them to exempt me from all of my presentations. Or if I had to go to... There's this one thing that I... This one story that I'll bring up sometimes about how I had to go to this big family reunion back in my home country in Lebanon. I must have been 19 and I was just so afraid of having to go to the the gathering and to be asked questions and get stuck and feel so... and feel so inferior let's say because of it that a few days before I I I took a shower and I then went outside for half an hour completely wet hoping to to get sick so so that I don't have to go to that now that's before I knew about Wim Hof, so obviously I was doing it wrong. <laughs> but just to, just to paint the picture that that was how I would, uh, I would essentially engineer my lifestyle in a way that would minimize speaking. Yeah, I was gonna say, so, it seems like you were just almost avoided all like human, not human interaction, mm-hmm. but human sure. conversation yeah. because 
of the fear of, of I guess, getting stuck on those questions. And at what age did you learn about this breathing technique? See, so I learned it when I was 17 or 18. But even though I had some progress initially, I had not overcome the the obstacle mentally. So it wasn't until three or so years ago that real change began to, to happen. And did you find that, I guess, so when you were 17 till about three years ago, did you find that it was a progressive learning growth or just maybe one day it clicked and you're like, I'm going to do this, I'm going to master this breathing technique and I'm going to go out there and kick ass? Or did, did it little by little, step by step? So uh, I would say I did have some moments before the past three years of having some, some progress, but there's one exercise that I did heavily in the past three or so years that had a transformational impact. I would go to the mall, that's before lockdown, and I would I'd give myself the challenge of talking to 100 complete strangers. I would ask them for directions, or sometimes I would just go up to a group of people and say, excuse me, I stutter and I'm just challenging myself today by introducing myself to a hundred strangers. I did this exercise pretty much every week and it was extremely uncomfortable and the reactions were very diverse. Some were good. And some of people are like, get away from me. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and some were negative. And some, when I say negative, there can be the one that you mentioned now, or there can be laughter, right? So I get, stu- I get stuck on that word and they laugh. And those types of reactions, in the moment, it's pure pain and discomfort. But once that situation is over, it desensitizes, it desensitized me in such a powerful way because through, through, voluntarily exposing myself to the worst case scenario hundreds or even I would say thousands or tens of tens of thousands of times it definitely rewired how I processed fear and it changed that relationship with fear in a way that enabled me to 
change that link from fear equals no to fear equals maybe and eventually to fear equals yes. And that's impressive too because there's so many... It's not just the social aspect of walking up to a group Never of strangers. Never mind. I can talk to anybody and I'd be scared to go to that many people. I, like, I, yeah. I, people say that like when we started this podcast, they joke that like we said we're coming out of our comfort zone. And all our friends are like, your comfort zone is to talk. So I don't it's know so what, you're, what you're talking about. <laughs> but I'm telling you honestly, I probably wouldn't do that. Like, you know, and I don't have a speech impediment. I would be scared to go up to that many people just say, hey, you know, like, what are you up to? Can I talk to you today? Because... That approaching people alone is is fearful, right? Doing mm-hmm. it in your situation, I can't even imagine. Like, what was it the first time you went up to someone? Like, what was going through your head that first time you were like, "I'm gonna walk up to this person"? So, it it was fear, and and but it was it fear of rejection or fear of like not being able to to be able to put together like a proper proper sentence, like because there's fear of being rejected yeah. by people. But then there's also like internal fears too, right? Like I have, I get social fear sometimes and I'm a fairly confident person, mm. but I won't just walk up to a group of people sometimes in a setting that I'm uncomfortable in because fear of rejection. Mm-hmm. But then there's the, the, the fear that you have of self. Like, do you, are you going to get tongue tied? Are you going to get caught on your words? But if you think about it, even that fear is still rooted in the fear of rejection. Because the thought process is what will they say or how will they react to me being different, which is the same fear of rege- the same fear of rejection essentially. Yep. So I would say the the fear was qu- quite intense. And even though I had, and even after I had done this exercise and talked to thousands of people, the next time that I had to do this exercise, I would still feel that same exact fear. And it would then take me 10, 20, 30 interactions to feel like I was once again in in control of that fear and that's an exercise that not only allowed me to gain that confidence but it's also an exercise i would do pretty much before every stand-up comedy performance or before every speech even if i'd be traveling if i'm in la or san diego to to do a keynote at a conference i would still find a way before the conference to go walk around the city and to do this exercise to prepare myself so this is like a habitual thing now that you've added to kind of just like to kind of train is it just like training yourself to do it as a petition or is it more so for the habit or more so for the fear aspect now? What like which or is it a little bit of both? Now I I admittedly haven't done this exercise as much in the last few months. 
Due, due to the pandemic. Yeah. So you didn't do it before coming on this, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you had your icebreaker, though. That was it, eh? You knew you had that one. <laughs> I, 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 I had to... I had to rely on the jokes here. <laughs> but yeah, I would say... To answer your question, it became a, a habit to deal with the fear and to desensitize myself before big speaking sit, 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 situations. I, st I still remember, for example, the first time I did stand up in Lebanon, I was doing this, this show for for half an hour it was uh uh a it was this half hour set in front of i think about two or th two or th 300 people in, in including a lot of friends and my parents and their friends so it was really a stressful performance and e e even that day i still i s i still went to to some mall over there and i spent maybe about about th three four hours to do this exercise when you went there were you speaking lebanese or english arabic Arabic? Sorry. <laughs> Arabic. Whoops. But yeah, I, I, that, that, so I, answer, I, I was actually that's a similar question to that. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, uh, so I, huh? I will say though, the Lebanese Arabic is very nuanced. So, so in in a sense, both of you are right. It is a uh, it is a a, a dialect of Arabic. We have a lot of exp exp expressions that only we use in Lebanon. And there's also the tendency in Lebanon to mix, to mix Arabic with French and English, I didn't know that French is a dominant language. A sec it's probably the second most spoken after. Yeah, Arabic. second. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The French. Uh, the Hamadis and the Safis are gonna be pissed at me that I didn't know yeah. this things. I find. Uh, yeah, I actually just read a book called uh, Lebanon, uh, Jerusalem to Beirut or something, and it's about back in the eighties uh, in Beirut, and it was an uh, investigative journalist, Thomas Field, Thomas Friedman. Thomas Fieldman, I have it somewhere here. Anyways, I, I find that part of the world, I'm, my background's Greek, a lot of connections, very similar there. But I find that part of the world very fascinating. So, I mean, not a lot of people knew the French. I only knew it recently. Um, I had no idea. Because of that book. That it's like a dot. Most people, they start, yeah, it's Arabic and they speak French in school and then it's English is the third language probably. Is that a fair like, assumption, I think? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. And if, I suppose now is the is a good time to acknowledge briefly the the tragic events that that have that have happened recently whenever i i hear people in canada complaining about government here i'm thinking you guys have no idea how good 
we have it here mm-hmm. in the sense that it was literally an act of negligence on the part of the government that led to this tragedy that has claimed so many lives including a childhood friend of mine it's when i when i so i at conferences i often i often speak about resilience and that's a topic i speak about using my own experience with stuttering in lebanon i find that people are forced to be they're forced to be resilient oftentimes in unfair ways because the circumstances tend to have a solution and yet there there hasn't there has not been the 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 change in 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 government that that has that has been needed in many decades mm-hmm. but yeah uh, that's just uh, yeah, uh yeah. no i'm glad you brought a quick it side note yeah no and, and obviously our condolences for for what happened like uh, uh, obviously everyone saw the, those events and then that insane. i like you when you see this like the smoke plume coming out at first you think oh it was a fire and then when like like a second later it's like a big it's a yeah. literally a video game you almost. know what we haven't done this shout out we have to give a shout out it's gonna do it shout out to our good friends the the, the hamadi family so our friends the hamadis the one who i said from rashaya shout out rashaya hi joe um they raised so they did a go go fund me yep. and they said any dollar they were gonna match dollar for dollar nice. they raised they raised a hundred thousand dollars in a day 24 like, hours 24 hours they had to stop it because they were gonna like go bankrupt if you keep raising it but they they matched it they gave so they raised a hundred thousand they matched it a hundred thousand and they sent it to the red cross, red cross yeah. yeah wow yeah so big shout out to them don't know if you guys listen or not but if you do man big you guys shout out huge shout out uh, yeah. again at to everybody's that had family friends loved ones out there our, yeah. our hearts go out to you because it's a tragedy that could have been easily avoided um, and it's a shame. And like you said earlier, we're so thankful that we live in this great country and not in, in some of these other countries where yeah. people are treated as almost less than humans and government run however they want to run mm-hmm. and everybody else can. The biggest thing, and you can obviously speak this more than I can, but to your point about resilience, from what I understand over the last you know couple decades, um, I'm not very well versed in it, but I understand like, you know, obviously there's in Lebanon and that part of the world as well. There's been a lot of obviously the internal conflicts you have of like, you know, um, different political parties, different religious parties, whatever it is. Then you have the neighboring countries all, all fighting for different regions. So for the last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it's been a place of, um, you know, despite being a beautiful country, a lot of fight infighting and all that kind of stuff and outfighting. And over the last few years, Beirut has been the top of the list not just Beirut, but them specifically on like Condé Nast and travel and leisure, and like one of the best cities to go visit these days. And it's so unfortunate that as it's getting that resiliency and it's fighting up, fighting up, fighting up, something like this goes and happens that, 
you know, it's a shame because, you know, I have a lot of friends that are from there, a lot of friends visit there. Honestly, it's really high on my bucket list to go. And, um, yeah, just really unfortunate, the timing, because it seemed like it was kind of getting where it, where it deserved to be up there as a metropolitan yeah. city. We've had, we, we have had good, I won't say years, but we've had good weeks and, and good months interpersed with conflict and as you mentioned it often tends to be proxy wars and and conflicts that that are fought in lebanon even though the most of the most of the people themselves just want to live in dignity and enjoy the absolutely gorgeous country that is lebanon mm -hmm. the beach and the ski slopes and the nightlife it's a There's country skiing in lebanon yeah on that area too like lebanon i mean i, I ran no like a lot of that area yeah part of the world has some pretty big mountains pretty big mountain ranges great great ski slopes and beaches and amazing nightlife it's a uh, to 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 conclude that sub topic i just i just hope that what has happened recently won't go in vain and that it will have ha it it will have sparked the the radical change that yeah that needs to happen yeah, yeah. well speaking oh, about yeah. lebanon when was the last time you were there I was there last last December, so I go back to twice a year to to see my parents. Yeah, wow. and then do you do a speaking engagements every time you go, or is that kind of here and there? And then when you do them, do you, again English or Arabic? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, uh, your your question sparked this. Slapping on chat. <laughs> <laughs> this ch chat. So I have done some stand-up performances in Lebanon in English. I I have done stand-up in a, and speeches in a few different languages. So I've I have I I have performed in French and in Spanish. Jeez. So you're quadrilingual? Quadrilingual? Uh, I stutter in six different languages. <laughs> I stutter in six different languages. <laughs> what, what's, the, what's the toughest language? I was going to say, what's the easiest? Okay, what's the easiest? Are they all the same? So, is one easier than one to order? What, what do they rank? I guess we have the question asked glass half full or or glass half empty here yeah yeah <laughs> i'm a tall glass of water guy, kind of guy fair you're an empty because <laughs> i'm an empty glass of water <laughs> so yes. i would say it's it is roughly the same amount of stuttering no no discrimination <laughs> every language has has deserved an 
equal degree of this fluency. Okay. I would say maybe it depends on what language I've been speaking the most lately. If I haven't spoken one of the six languages in a while, maybe it'll be uh, a bit rustier on top of the actual stutter. Yeah. So okay. when, when did you decide? So obviously, if you would just tell us, like, yeah, I have a stutter, but I've also did a TED talk, we'd say, okay, that's kind of not two things that you would normally put together. So when did you decide I want to become a public speaker, and then I'm, you know what, I'm going to do a TED talk? Like, did you manifest that? Did you decide one day that you were just going to go and do it? Mm. How did this come up? You know, it's interesting. You you said that those two things don't tend to go together. And I agree with you. And I think it's precisely because they don't typically go together that I ended up chasing it. It's because I came... I came... To the realization that I had to choose one of two extremes because the stuttering had caused me to avoid speaking and any type of human in, in interaction I realized that I could not afford to be in the middle. I had to choose between one extreme and the other. And it was precisely by pursuing things like public speaking and stand-up comedy that I was able to create the necessary the necessary momentum to go from that extreme end to the other and how it happened though more 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 specifically is first i joined toastmasters i'm not sure if you guys have yeah. heard of it uh, Dale Carnegie talks about it in his, in his yes, books. Yeah. Yes. To for those who ha have not heard of it, a public uh, speaking club. So I first joined that just as a way to ch challenge myself, and then I I decided to compete at a at a speaking competition it was this inspirational speaking competition called speaker slam and i won it and then and this was the first time i shared my my story on a stage and then when i i won that first competition i was invited to compete for the yearly competition for the title of insp inspirational speaker of the year, I won that as well. Which wow, clean which, it up here. 
which which my younger self would have deemed just an absurd impossibility. And then a few days after that, I, I received the confirmation or the invitation to to do the TED talk. And then a few months after that, I I shared the stage with with people like Arlene Dickinson and Brendan Bouchard and, and JP Sears at this big conference here called the Archangel Summit. So things just happened one after the other in such an unsystematic or unplanned way. All I was doing was on the level of the inputs, I was basically facing one fear at a time. And then magically in the output side of things, uh, all of these milestones just kept on happening until I started I started to receive requests from conferences and companies to come do their keynotes about topics like overcoming adversity or or diversity uh, and inclusion. Wow. So besides the TED Talk, because that's obviously like one of the pinnacles of public speaking, what would you say is one of your your, your next favorite that you've done? Was there was there one keynote that was was really cool. Was there? Was it the Archangel Conference? Like, what? Mm. What's one that stands out to you? Oh, and and why? Yeah. Uh, we always forget to ask that. Hey, eh? what's your favorite? And why? Yeah, we always say, what's your favorite. <laughs> and then we stop. And then we ask them. And they're like, oh, well, why? Yeah. Because <laughs> doing that Set all the up earlier. Good job, George. <laughs> Thank you. Getting a little better. Taking some notes on how to. Fifty-five speak. episodes in. How. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I want to mention two. There is w- one that is just a huge one. So I'll I'll say that one second. I spoke at this event called the the top ten event. It's organized by a good friend of mine, Stuart Knight, and it was it happened. It took place at the at the CBC Glen Gold Studio here in downtown Toronto. It was such a magnificent, such a magnificent event with about maybe about a thousand attendees, and I got to share the stage with I'm not sure if you guys know if you guys know director X yeah 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 he directed Drake's Drake's video yes among yeah. others yeah hotline what was the hotline bling what's the I one I can't remember it's hotline yeah bling. he's, yeah, he's yeah, a big yeah. Toronto, Toronto guy yeah 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 he he gave an amazing speech about meditation which is one of his passions and this was a 
one really great event but there's also one that was really emotional for me it was i i is the mic good yeah, yeah I, was gonna gonna say, I was just looking at you oh, like I, I wasn't sure if it was plugged in <laughs> properly that's what i was like I thought I was being slick here. I definitely not. noticed that. I was like, is this guy going to start talking into a mic that's not working? No, it's, it's <laughs> I mean, I would have given you enough time, I think, with my <laughs> answer to fix it, uh, call the technician, you would have showed up, fixed it. And meanwhile, I'm, I'm still answering the same question. So one really memorable milestone though was i opened for a for this really renowned lebanese american comedian called nummer at the queen elizabeth theater here in in toronto and it was maybe about a thousand lebanese people or like i mean mixture but many of them were Lebanese. And I remember moments before this this show, just being in the green room thinking, man, a few years ago, I begged my professors uh, at McGill to exempt me from all of my presentations. And... and uh, and not even just that, I also asked them to exempt me from any participation in the classroom. And I was thinking, how surreal is this? And then I did one of the best sets I ever delivered. And when I perform with a, with a Lebanese audience, it definitely has this extra symbolism because it wasn't always that easy growing up over there being different. And I think when I get to to do these performances and replace and replace more negative memories with happier ones it it does contribute towards a sense of closure but once i had done that performance i remember i went backstage i i remember almost having t tears and just thinking about how how surreal and and beautiful it was that i somehow had drastically transformed my trajectory i if you asked me a few years back i i definitely would have thought that i was destined to live a certain way and i think it does also imply that whatever someone's obstacle, fear, or what, or whatever their equivalent of a 
stutter is in 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 their own lives if if i was able to transform things it should also give people the the required motivation or mindset to conclude that the way things are today does not have to be the way things will be in the future. Wow. And man, kudos to you because that's so inspiring to a lot of people listening because like we can talk about, you know, your journey and there's people like trying to lose weight and they're thinking I can never do this. Like you taught yourself how to overcome something that most people don't overcome in their lives. And it's not like it just happened overnight. You worked on it. You came to the point where you're facing your fears day in, day out and, you know, walking in. And I'm sure when you got off that stage, you remembered all those people that at the mall that kind of were negative or rude to you. <laughs> and you're probably thinking, yeah, laugh at me now. Motherfucker. You know what I mean? Like situations like that, because it's true, right? Like, you can change your entire life if you really put your mind to it and really set yourself to these goals. And sometimes it's going to be uncomfortable and sometimes it's going to suck. Probably a lot of times uncomfortable, yeah, right? Yeah. You got to put yourself in those uncomfortable positions. Like, I, I'm going to think Never about it. Never mind even uncomfortable. It's like beyond uncomfortable. Yeah, going to like, a mall is uncomfortable. Going on a stage of a fucking thousand, yeah. like thousands is beyond. Like, that's. I don't even know what you call that uncomfortable. That's like beyond that's what uncomfortable. I mean. It's, it's scary for a normal person, like a person without any you know, speech impediments to do that. Then it's like you overcame that to do that. So man, like kudos to you. Cause that's so inspiring yeah. to know that you, you can do that. You just used something to an example. Like you said that, um, you know, inspire other people to overcome their quote unquote stutter. So you use it like, it's interesting to use it that way because when, as you said that I thought about it, it's like, you know, everyone has something like mm-hmm. that. What maybe to different degrees, maybe less public, maybe something like, you know, you talk about a lot. Maybe it's something mental. Maybe it's something physical like weight. Maybe it is a speech impediment. Maybe it's, Whatever, Whatever it might it is, be, yeah. right? Um, and I think that, you know, a lot of people, they look at it like, and maybe that's the generalization, maybe not a lot of people, but anyone can look at it as like, oh, I'm different or I can't do this. And, and the you know, what you did is, is not just push the envelope to like, you know, do the minimum to kind of get over it and be able to function with it. Like you really push the envelope saying, like, why am I going to stop here? I'm going to move it to here and, and push myself even farther. So this is like, even this would be impressive for most people. Now it's like, Sets the bar pretty high, but that just shows that anybody can like, you know, I mean, you can go from being overweight to, to not just losing the weight, but go and be, a, you know, run a marathon or, or triathlon, whatever. And to be honest, yeah, and that's actually, uh, that's a great analogy. And you often find that, that the people who end up really excelling had gone through some form of an obstacle in the first place that became their drive. So really, I think um, uh, I was just watching maybe one or two days ago a recent episode on the Joe Rogan podcast with, with David Blaine the magician right yeah 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 and even though i didn't listen to the to the whole thing yet in the first maybe half hour he talks about how when he was a kid he was 
and he was at the pool swimming and because his his feet had some kind of an issue or his legs it affected his speed and he realized that what could give him an edge is if if he learned how to stay underwater for longer without needing to breathe to minimize the the number of times he had to like put his head up and do the motion and stuff uh, and i thought how how interesting is it that it's in so, in so, so many cases it it is an obstacle that leads to someone excelling in their field way beyond the individuals who who faced no friction Mm -hmm. at all well to that point like one of the things i think a lot of people or maybe you know they, they say these days that you should do is don't you know, you obviously you look and look at yourself as a person. And say, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? A lot of people dwell maybe on the weaknesses a lot and say, how can I fix all these things? But some people don't say, oh, I'm really good at these things. Why don't I just amplify these? So obviously, you can still work on your weaknesses. But in that example, he couldn't swim that well. But if you could hold his breath, I mean, we all know that he's got that world record or whatever of, of holding his breath underwater for like 40 minutes. Yeah, or something or, ridiculous. Yeah. So he's really good at that. So he said, okay, I'm not as good at this, but I'm better at this. Let me leverage this and excel. And yes. But see, the the point is, I feel like the reason why he he built this other skill was because of this first of this first weakness. True. So, in a sense, quite often weaknesses will make you self-aware. It, in a way that in a way that might lead to the birth of something new yeah. well if you think about point, a good, good example an easy one is, is basketball a lot of people that are great they're great dribblers but they're just not tall you have to learn how to shoot you have to mm-hmm. be fast because exactly you're you're born not with a disadvantage by any means but you're just not as big as the other people playing basketball you're not as tall you can't dunk like Steph Curry, I'm sure he said this. Like, if I'm going to make it to the NHL, I got to NBA. NBA. If I'm going to make it to the NBA, <laughs> yes. I, I got to be the best shooter out there, or else I've got no chance. I'm too small. I can't. I, I can't. Too small. He's decent. He can dunk the ball. Like six. Can, can he dunk? Can dunk He's like six two. Let's say. He's got some ups. A little okay, bit. Like, not, 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 I know what you mean. Nate I mean. Robinson and Muggsy Bowe. I know you're like those guys. Nate NBA. Robinson can dunk. They, Nate Robinson yeah, won the dunk contest. Yeah, because you have to learn how to jump high, man. Because the guy's so tiny. I don't know if he can learn how to do this. I'm <laughs> born with that, man. No, it's a, that's a skill. That's muscle. True. I'm just. I'm just being. You just I'm just trying <laughs> to poking holes and everything. Yeah, you understand. Cold back. You have a good point. No, that's true. Sometimes you find your weaknesses and you have to develop great strengths to compensate for those yeah. weaknesses and to when i do when i perform stand up one comment i often get after my 
performances is good writing. And the reason why they say this is because when I think about how to write my jokes, I cannot afford to ramble on. I have to be strategic with wording and this leads to my this leads to the jokes I deliver having to be as clean and concise as possible. Yeah. Is there one that you can hit us with right now? <laughs> What's your go-to? Yeah, do you have a good one? <laughs> Yeah, well, so I okay. Damn, I used it on the first uh, the first line. Eh? Uh-huh. There's one that I I have not done live yet, so I guess that would be a a good one to a do. Pal's right podcast now. exclusive. Let's go exclusive. exclusive. <laughs> All right, hit, hit, us, with hit us with it. Hit us with it. I I have been. Th- thinking lately of course we've 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 all had extra time to think during the lockdown these past few few months i was wondering about how my stutter will impact me when i become a father one day Imagine my daughter asks me to read a bedtime story and I say, okay, once upon a Time to wake up, sweetie. <laughs> I love it. That was good. I love it. That was good. That was good. I not. I not want to. That one will work in uh, in, the, in the shows for sure. <laughs> I on on the note of stand up. What was your pa- What did? Now, what was your passion first? What did you want to I guess pursue first? To public speak, or do stand up comedy? Two sides of the same cone coin the stand-up was i would say first and foremost a psych a psych psychological exercise of self acceptance and owning what make what makes me unique i ha i had I I had noticed even before I got into it that when I would be at a party or something and I would meet new people, if I would not address it, it would definitely prevent me from having good conversations. But then when I started started to say things like hey before i say anything else i am not wasted i have a stutter 
And I realized that by making these types of comments, not for the purpose of being funny, but more so to address the elephant in the room right away, I realized that it was extremely effective. And by pursuing stand-up, I realized it really allowed me to liberate myself from the shame, the embarrassment around being different and just just <clears throat> telling the whole world, hey, I am different and I'm okay with it. That's why I believe the stand-up happened. And then I really enjoyed it as a craft, having to write jokes, having to go to the comedy clubs and have that audience interaction. The public speaking was more about sharing a story that could empower others to face their own stutters while also enabling me to constantly work on my stutter through public speaking. Because to the individual who stutters, isolation is the worst enemy because the the less I speak, the less I interact with people, the more those old fears or those old thought processes can easily come back because that's how I lived most of my life. Yeah. And, 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 and that's why when the whole lockdown thing happened, I was thinking, man, I spent most of my life uh, avoiding humans and people and, and speaking. And, and then I somehow become a speaker and comedian and then the government starts telling me i was right the first time <laughs> <laughs> well and it's like you can't you're not going to the mall walking up to a group of strangers anymore that's for sure yeah that's maybe a while before that happens yeah yeah definitely definitely uh, i've uh in regards to comedy where's your where is a uh, your dream comedy set if you could play one comedy club one show is there one that's that, that you want to achieve one day now, I I have performed at some really sweet spots. One of my favorites so far was at the Laugh Factory in in Hollywood. Wow. It was a great show. Great show run by a comedian called... The Tehran. Okay. And it was really a great show. I also had a lot of friends in LA who, who got to come out. And it was just a great stage. The 
other comedians on the show were amazing. There was Whitney Cummings and and Godfrey and some really, really hilarious comedians. If I could pick another spot, I would say the the comedy store is, is definitely up there. Yeah. Uh, it's probably top of almost everybody's list there mm-hmm. these days, especially with uh, all the acts coming through there. Yeah. Who's your dream, I guess, comedian to perform with or before? I would love to perform with... Now, there are a few that come to mind. I'm a big fan of Seinfeld in terms of his craft. I'm a big fan of Chris Rock, Dimitri Martin... If I could choose, though, a comedian to perform with, I might want, I might want, I might want to say Joe Rogan because I'm just a big fan of, of him as a person and I'm a big fan of his podcast. I've listened to it quite a bit over the years and it would be awesome to to share to share the the stage with him yeah yeah i don't yeah he's uh he's become quite the personality i i've seen him live once before when he came to toronto pretty pretty good and that's i listened to his podcast for a while but i never really heard his comedy uh honestly really good really good at stand up and obviously now he's like the pinnacle of everything pinnacle of stand up pinnacle of podcasting he's kind of hit the peak of all of them right I would be, uh, yeah, I think he'd be high up on most people's list to share the stage mm-hmm. with. Yeah. Yeah, Joe, he literally is, like you said, at the top of. Yeah, and, but he's a personality now, too. Yeah. Like, he's just so multi, he's so faceted in so many different things. And Like, about UFC, he's like massive in. Right, right. I think they all play off each other, right? Like, you have to be super. I think that the, the being a comedian got him on, like, helped him get TV and helped him get kind of the notoriety. Obviously, the MMA, he was, you know, did his um, jujitsu and, and all that stuff. But. A lot of that leverage just to the, to the podcast and being able to like you know listen, read a room, be able to talk to people, converse with people, and get good guys. Yeah. Anyways, he's a remarkable guy, and now he's got paid the big bucks because of that deal. With oh Spotify. yeah, he's got. <laughs> we'll get there one day. One day, the pals. <laughs> one day, the pals. Yeah. Uh, pal. yeah, Jose, it's uh, this is the part where we usually start to to wrap up, but we just want to say this has been such an inspirational conversation. I know a lot of people listening too. They feel that they're facing adversity or facing battles that they can overcome. And I think you sharing your story uh, will inspire others because it's something that, again, during dark times or there's moments where you don't think you can can win. So hearing your stories, it's living proof that you can win and you can overcome almost any obstacle. So thank you for sharing your story. And uh, we've got two questions we always ask every guest that comes on. Mm -hmm. Mine's a little more lighthearted than George's. But if there was a movie about your life, Mm -hmm. who would you want to star as you? It could be anybody from any point in time. There is a movie currently currently being made about my journey. Wow. I'm... Because it's a, it's more of a, of a, of a documentary feature film. I'm the one who is, 
in the film. If I had though to to pick uh, uh, another actor to play me, hmm. When I was younger, I was often compared to that kid Seth Cohen from the OC. Oh yeah. If he shaves his head. <laughs> then maybe he would be uh, uh, a candidate. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Pretty good one. Yeah, I can see it. Uh, my question is, uh, if you could give one piece of advice to your younger self, what would it be? Mm. With the story or without? Whatever you feel like. Okay. When I was 13 years old, I went to Austria with my family on vacation. We were in, in Vienna for th th three days. On the first day, I see this girl with red hair and my my teenage self thinks she looks adorable a few a few seconds later she gets into a taxi with her mom and they leave on on day 2 i'm at the i'm at the museum of of music with my with my family and there she was and i when i tell this story in a speech i say cute and cultured <laughs> my my 13 year old self had the best taste <laughs> so I think about saying hello to her because two consecutive days in a big city is a crazy coincidence, right? Stars are aligning. Hmm. Serendipity. <laughs> yeah. But as, as I am drowning in my own thoughts, she once again vanishes. Day three, it's my last day in, in Vienna. I'm no sitting on this patio with my parents, my sister, and this couple that we had met at the hotel. My dad proceeds to tell the entire table all about my crush on the girl with the red hair. And as would any teenager being teased about his crush does, I just look away embarrassed, right? And with incomprehensible statistical absurdity, I see her. No way. I swear, everyone at the table starts cheering for me. Three days in a row, 
they said to me, you, you have to speak to her. But I just s- sat there, frozen with anxiety and paralyzed by one single thought. What would she say when she hears me stutter? And if I could go back in time and talk to that person in that moment, I would tell them it's okay to be different. And that's just something that it took me, took me so long to understand and accept and accept that the second thing would be use fear as a compass when something feels fearful chances are you have to do it i was at the at a book signing of mark manson you know guys yeah fuck uh what's it called um uh the the subtle Subtle not giving a fuck yeah I was at his new book too, actually. Everything everything is fucked. Yes. I was at at his event here in 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 Toronto a few years ago, and at the end of his talk, he announced that it was a Q and A session. When he said that, I felt the fear. And I, I started to experience all, all of the symptoms of, of fear. But in that moment, because I felt this extreme fear, I knew that the only way out of this situation was through that very fear. So without thinking much, I felt the fear, I put my hand up. So fear, when fear acts as a compass, fear can become the catalyst for action. And and lastly, once you find that thing that you fear the most, do it, but then do it again and again and again. It must become a a way of life. And I think that's one of the things that I found appealing about pursuing stand-up or speaking. It was to turn the, the art or the act of overcoming fears as a lifestyle and not as a one-time thing that I can tap myself on the back four and just go back to my old ways. That's some really good advice. Do you know what's funny? That's we, the, that, yeah. So the first one who's the first person who's answered that with a story. And your story was perfect. So I was like, I'm not sure if he's going to tell a joke right here or not. I, I, was, I was honestly at one I point I was like, like on the edge of there's like, a gonna, joke. I'm yeah. like, there's, he's going to give us the punchline, but it's so true. You gave that story and like, look the way you gave your advice too on that. It's like, again, Man, who cares? And I, you don't know this, but I say this all the time. Like, who cares what other people think? Like, battle yourself, figure out what you want, what makes you happy, mm-hmm. and go for it, right? Like, who cares, right? You just do you. And the the story that you gave, and it's 
perfect because again, no one's gave a story for yeah. an answer. And I can tell you that I've been that same thirteen year old kid. I don't have a speech impediment, but I saw a girl and I was scared <laughs> as heck to talk to her. <laughs> That's a fact. How many times I passed up? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. Nah, I'm nah, good. nah, I'm good. Um, that was great. Jose, Honestly, Jose, that was fantastic. Thank th- you. Thank you for coming on. If people want to find out more about you, where should they go? <laughs> thank you guys for having me. If they want to find me, my Instagram is at ye, yes way Jose J O Z E with a Z or Z. All right, shout out. Uh, we'll we'll <laughs> we'll tag everything in the uh, the episodes. But uh, other than that, again, thank you for coming on. This has been a great conversation, very inspirational, and. Uh, I hope people that are, are battling their own issues can hear something like this and hear a story like this and, and know that there's light at the end of the tunnel and you oh, you can overcome and f- beat any adversity if you really put your, your mind to it. So thank you. That's all I got. And then other than that, yeah. Thank you. Signing right. off, pals. Peace. Cheers. You like to drink and to smoke to take away the pain. And I don't remember all of my mistakes and every I got alone no one thing. I'm not alright I'm not alright